This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. What's up, everybody? Brandon Worth here in the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Across from me, that's Joe Nagy, and we have a great show for you today here in the lovely month of January. Because guess what, Joe? Wearing shorts again today? Absolutely, I'm wearing shorts, and it's wonderful. I don't care. It's 10 degrees outside, and you know what? We out here. I'm built different, I guess. Thoughts, I guess Joe? so. I mean, I'm wearing jeans, a coat, and a jacket, so <laughs> it's a little bit different, but... I mean, you better keep those shorts on, Brandon, because we got our first IM basketball game tonight. Oh, boy. How's that going to go? Are you excited? I haven't played competitively in, I want to say it's been three years, senior year of high school. I know for you, you played IMs already before a little while ago, right? It was like freshman, sophomore year. I played IM basketball my freshman year, but I play IMs like all throughout. Yeah, yeah. Like all throughout the year, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming. I'm coming off a of flag football chip, so I'm, Dude, I'm, I'm coming off pretty a, good. I'm off coming it. off a dodgeball championship. I oh, got the shirt. You know, maybe boy. maybe we wear that tonight. Assert our dominance a little Do bit. Do we? I mean, that's a big time. Flex I wear long play. sleeves anyways when I play basketball, but yeah, that is true. I also wear long sleeves, but you know, there's some guys that we could get some advice from because we're gonna have Lee Higgins and Dorian Alui joining us in just a few moments, as well as going to the Ferris State Sports Report. What craziness happened in the NFL this weekend? We'll go over that and possibly a heated debate following. You're not going to want to miss it, but first, let's send it on over to the interview. Joining us in the studio now is Lee Higgins and Dorian Louie, uh, members of the Fair State basketball team. Fellas, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate no problem, you. no problem. Yep. So, Dorian, first question for you. You started your collegiate career at Minot State in North Dakota. What was that process like with the transfer portal, but also getting used to a program uh, and then leaving it after a couple of years and then basically restarting that process all over again? Um, it was kind of tough, um, but I know what I wanted to do here at Ferris, and I wanted to win, so I, I was willing to do whatever pretty much uh, – I kind of had that conversation with myself before I decided to enter Transfer Portal. Um, I knew I was going to have to come here and prove myself all over again, like you said. Um, but I told myself it was worth it uh, to come to a winning program like Ferris, and, and definitely has been worth it. So For sure. Yeah, and I'll leave for you as well. I mean, you came in as transfer right from Concordia St. Paul. So what was that process like for you? Like, were you just like, I'm working for a program to come out and win a ring, and then you just found yourself at Ferris State? Or what was that process like? Uh, it was actually kind of tough, actually, because I actually have a son back in a uh, Minnesota. So oh, really? It, yeah, it was a tough process. Uh, but, uh, again, I wanted to win. You know what I'm saying? I've never really been around a winning program. So this was kind of the go-to school for that. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all on board, especially when I met the uh, staff and the like players and stuff. So it was kind of easier after that. But it was definitely a tough process at first. And so this question for both of you guys, the team has had a great start so far, like you said, wanting to be able to be coming to a winning program. Uh, 9-0 in the GLIAC. It's a great first half. And now going to the second half now with kind of meeting everybody a second time, What's the approach now in practice with the team, with the managers, with Coach Bronkema to really keep that train going and be able to, you know, make it another 9-0 run? Uh, pretty much to just stay solid, you know what I'm saying? Stay humble about the approach of things, still mm-hmm. remain like, all right, we're still beatable, things like that. We don't want to get too big-headed about it, but we're still just approaching every game like it's the first game of the, of the conference. That's really our, uh, our focus and mindset really with it. We're taking it one game at a time, man. We're, that's all we're focused on. We're focused on the game at hand. So Absolutely. 
Yeah, and I think the the one thing that a lot of fans and analysts like me and Joe would point out is you guys shoot the rock really well. What gives you the guy's ability to be able to knock three-point do- shots down all the time? Like, is it just constant practice, or is it that specific coaching you guys get with Coach Broncomo, Coach uh, Macon, and those that staff? I think it's a combination of both. Um, to, to be able to shoot threes in game, you actually have to – uh, there's a shooting measure you have to pass. It's like you got to make 63s in under five minutes. So um, if you do that, then you kind of have the license to shoot any open three. So now it's a, a lot of pressure taken off of you, um, and you're just out there shooting the ball like you're shooting in open gym. So it, it's it, I think it's a combination of both. Um, yeah, For sure, yeah. Well, especially with me, uh, coach gets on me if I don't shoot the ball. So that's really just installing <laughs> confidence in yeah. me. So. Yeah. They want you to shoot the ball. It's real. Like the coaches staff do a good job of installing confidence in us and stuff to make shots. And that's the one thing as fans and uh, and people who watch the game and stuff like that. When you two aren't really are having kind of a slow day beyond the arc, it's nice to be able to have so many guys and such a depth uh, behind you for guys who can really start to fill it up and get uh, momentum going for you guys. How nice is that to know that uh, you know if you guys aren't having the best of games or you're getting a little bit slow and the shots aren't falling, to be able to have guys like Ben Davidson, Ethan, uh, Mikel, and a lot of those guys. Who we're able to kind of pick up where the slack is left off. It's good because, like, other teams aren't prepared for that. Other teams aren't ready for that. Like, those guys could start anywhere else in the conference. So, it's like it's just yeah. good to have them to fall yeah. off on. Or, all right, we playing bad, but I know the second group where the guys coming in are going to pick it up, you know. So, that's, that's it's, it's something great to have. Yeah, no, those guys really uh, – they really help us out a lot. Um, I mean – some games, you know, the first group doesn't bring it in the first five minutes, and then they come in and completely change the energy for the game. And I feel like without that, sometimes we, we could have dropped a game here or there. But those guys really help us, especially in scout and in practice, man. I appreciate those guys a lot, man. They're real good players. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, you guys just coming off of a big win yesterday, in fact, against Northwood. Congratulations now on a little bit of a winning streak. But now going on the road for a couple, you guys got Saginaw and Wayne State on the road. What's the mindset now that you're leaving Wink and now going to opposing gyms this week? Like we said, I think we just focus on it one game at a time. It doesn't matter to us where we play at. Like Bronx will tell you, we'll go play anywhere, anytime, anyone. So, I mean, we're just focused on the game at hand. Uh, we got Saginaw coming up Thursday, so we'll go there and prepare, and, you know, we'll take care of business there. So, Yeah, every every tough, every uh, road game in the GLIAC is pretty tough. So we just approach it as, like, uh, we got to come out, hit them first and stuff like that. And it, it doesn't really feel like a away game, to be honest, because we got some nice traveling fans also, too. So yeah, yeah. that's that's good to have in the back pocket, too. Absolutely. For sure. And speaking of Bronx, uh, to the fans, he's a very outspoken guy in the court. He's very loud. You know, he does, He's not afraid to speak his opinion. What's he kind of like in non-basketball settings when, you know, it be travel day or you guys are just kind of chilling in the hotel or you're just, you know, just kind of a one-on-one setting? What is he kind of like? Uh, he, he's, he's pretty chill, you know. It depends on, like, what we're doing he's he's a competitor always though so uh, <laughs> like uh, it doesn't really matter what we're doing he'll bring out the competitive competitiveness competitive yeah you know so it, it's pretty cool to be around he's not like that all the time but he definitely bring it out every yeah, now and then for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Bryce is a character man but he's he's definitely a cool guy off the court but on the court, you don't you don't want to mess with him in winning. <laughs> nah, for sure, that's kind of one thing me and Brandon have been able to talk yeah, about is yeah. you definitely don't want to get on his bad side when it when it comes courtside. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you guys have other great coaching staff like uh, Ramon, and then you guys also have like Josh as well. Like, how big are those guys?
guys as well, being able to assist and be able to bring you guys a lot of the stuff on the floor as well and being able to interact with those guys. Man, those guys are big, man, because especially in-game, like we said, Bronx is focused on the game and, and what's going on in the court. So when we come off the court or we have questions or frustrated, we can talk to those guys and they'll you know, they'll tell us what we need to hear or, or pretty much what we need to hear and then we'll go back out there and and do what we got to do. So those guys, having those guys on the, our bench is, is special. Yeah, for sure. and even like uh, during practice uh, uh, time and stuff like that, uh, they're always open to like working you out or getting extra shots up and stuff like that and just give you pointers and tips on like, all right, you could do this better next game or all right, let's work on this so you could like put it in your game and stuff like that. So they, they're pretty much all hands on it and I, and I like that. For sure. And me and Brandon are pretty good friends with Isaac Culp. He's a manager on the team. Uh, what's that relationship with, like uh, with the managers, being able to kind of see them around campus and being able to kind of have that team aspect, although they might not be playing, but you know, see them in practice and see them, seeing them every day. And what's that kind of like being able to build relationships with those guys? All our managers are, are part of our basketball family, man. We see them every day at practice and we'll see them on campus and they travel with us too. Um, they rotate, but but we treat them all like family, man. Isaac is, is one of my good friends too. Um, and he does his job well, man. He he always makes sure we have what we need or, or what we want even. And sometimes I, I go out of my way to make sure I tell him thank you because I know he doesn't have to do this and, and I know he's not getting paid for it. So though, having managers uh, on this team, it, it's it's very special, man. For sure, yeah. They definitely, I don't look at them and nothing but like teammates, yeah. to be honest. Like, yeah. we eat with them at the quad or the yeah. rock when we eating out and stuff like that. And we spend time with them and stuff like that. So, I don't look at them no different than how I look at DA. So, <laughs> for cool. sure. That's great yeah. to see, honestly. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you guys mentioned some of the campus life a little bit, like the quad and the rock and everything. From your guys' previous experiences at other college, what has it been like being on campus here? And like, what are the main differences that you saw? Uh,. Well, at Concordia, it was, like, it was very small. Like, it was a big city, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But it was, like, a small campus. So it was only one uh, place to eat and stuff like that. So this is definitely different for me, like, choosing different spots to eat, like a big, like, buffet, really, with it. So I like the experience. Yeah, it was pretty much the same with me at Minot. Like, it was it was just a small community, one, one cafe spot and, you know, a couple outside restaurants. But, you know, here we got multiple options, and it's – you know, multiple options off campus as well. So, I mean, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have any like favorite off campus kind of like restaurants that you like to go to at all or what? Uh, I like I like Shooter's Wings. I don't know if you guys have ever had them. Shooter's, but, oh, so yeah, yeah. Shooter's got their yeah. wings in their kitchen. They're great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like uh, I like Shoebricks and their burgers. Yeah. And stuff. yeah. Shoebricks selection. I love yeah. Shoebricks. I like Shoebricks. Yeah. yeah, some good stuff there. But uh, one question that I really want to ask is like in warm ups and stuff. Like we're able to see some great dunks getting thrown down from you guys, and also Aiden Shore is really able to. You know, he's got some bounce. I mean, Mikel's yeah. been able to show some stuff as well. Like, when you're on a breakaway and kind of like the highlight, highlight reel is in your mind come game time, like, do you kind of like have a dunk in mind that you're really kind of wanting to put down in a game? Like, is there kind of like a dream dunk that would be like, <laughs> you're really hoping somebody captures if you're able to throw it down? Uh, I'll say, you asking the wrong person, Lee don't got no bounce. But, <laughs> but for me, uh, it's kind of just a spur in the moment thing. You know, I'll catch the ball and it really depends on who's, who's around me or if there's, you know, if I got space or if I got a good wind up. So it, it all depends on you know what's going on in the game for real but i don't know i just i like to dunk the ball for sure 
I definitely do. I, I ain't really had my opportunity. I, Dorian missed me on one <laughs> earlier in the year. So it kind of didn't work out. But I, I got one that I want to put down low key. So we're going to see if I get the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We're looking forward to it. We want to see some oh, highlight yeah, 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 stuff. Yeah. Highlight reel. We'll get you, we'll but, get you um, guys some. Yeah, but uh, earlier on the show before you guys came in, I know me and Joe mentioned that we got we got our big break coming up. We got our intramural basketball debut tonight. Do you guys okay. have any sort of tips that you'd have? Like, what what do we need to do to bring out a chip on the IM field? Maybe we have to get you guys on a team under different names. <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> the, bad, the football team's got a team too. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Be, be yeah okay. Uh, some competition. Uh, you just gotta. I would say. Uh, just keep shooting to be yeah. honest. <laughs> let it go every time you open. I'll some defense too. I'll tell everybody that you told me that. Yeah, our team is telling us right now. I, we have yeah, we have the green light. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Green hey, light. make make sure they play defense too. You can't shoot without playing defense. <laughs> that, that is true. true. That is true. <laughs> for sure. That's that's some great stuff. But so one more question for both of you guys. I'll start with Lee. So with your final season of collegiate play, with you being graduate senior and during your senior year uh, of eligibility, like what's kind of like been on the horizon for you guys kind of after college? Has that thought kind of crossed your mind too much? Or like what's it going to be when you, you know, hang up the shoes and kind of got to leave the hardwood? Uh, well, I am a father, so I'm, uh, I'm looking into it in that, like seeing where I steps to being like, because uh, I had to take away a little, not time away, but a little bit of time away from my son. So For sure. I'm excited to get back to that and uh, being around him a lot more and stuff like that and take that full-time role as dad. Awesome. Uh, I've thought about it a little bit. Um, personally, I'm still trying to play pro somewhere overseas if I can. <laughs> so um, I'll be looking for an agent and trying to get some film and workout and stuff. So I know that's the couple months following, but I definitely want to come back to school and get my master's eventually once my playing career is officially over. But still trying to focus on, on getting that pro contract. Yeah. Cool, awesome. cool. That's great to hear. Uh, final question for you guys. We appreciate your time. We ask all the athletes that we bring on the show, what is your favorite thing about Ferris State University and being a Bulldog? Me, I like the um, like the family atmosphere, like how the fans are all involved and stuff like that, and how you like you see the same people at the game and stuff like that, and they all just feel like they're a part of just a bulldog. That's what I like. To be honest, I I like the winning culture, man. Like I've never been to a school where every sport is like a winner in their in their sport or in their conference. So like soccer won won the GLIAC tournament, football just won the national championship, and now you know we're having a great season in conference. Like we're Ferris is just a winning culture. I think that's what I like the most. Yeah, that's a that's a re reoccurring factor for yeah. a lot of people that we've had on the show is that they love the family atmosphere and they love the they love the winning too. So that's yeah. that's super cool to see. Sure. Absolutely. But thank you guys so much, Lee, Dorian. We appreciate you having on the show. And thank you guys for giving me your time. And good luck this week. Thank appreciate you. Thank you. Big thanks to Dorian and Lee taking time out of their busy schedules. We really appreciate them coming on, especially after they just had a big game against Northwood last night, and they're going to be kicking off a little bit of a road stand uh, upcoming this weekend. But to get into that Northwood game, Brandon, a 101-78 win. What a win about that, too, because when I checked it earlier on, it was we only were leading by like 10. It was like 13 minutes left. It was 64-54, to 54, or 50. Was it six four to fifty four? So we only held them to like fourteen points in the last ten minutes while we went on to a forty point run. So that's really great, especially to go into their place against a very good Northwood team with some very good players on that team. Brandon, what were your kind of thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I was checking this game, and it was pretty. It was close, certainly on. I noticed said that we were only up, I think, by six at halftime. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, okay, Northwood's bringing it a little bit, and they're at. I mean, it was on the road, so obviously that can be a big factor when you go to other places and trying yeah. to take on a team that's got all the momentum in the world. It seemed like, but yeah, I mean, we started off a little slower, and I mean, not necessarily like as far as scoring wise, but I mean, we definitely got the scoring going down the stretch, like you just mentioned in the last minute of the game there I mean especially since I believe yeah if I'm remembering the same point you are it's it was 64 to 54 and then I think we went on a a pretty big run there because then it got extended to about like I think it was 80 to 60 80 to 68 and then it was 86 to 70 then it was 95 to 75 it just kept it just kept slowly building building up up over time but I mean yeah Northwood you gotta I mean you gotta respect the way they played because I mean they've been down this year I mean they've only had three wins this season overall one in conference play and I mean they played us pretty tough early on and I mean Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily saying that I mean, they're just an extraordinary team at home or anything. But, I mean, we started off a little slow. I think that's fair to say. But, I mean, we ended up getting up in the end, got the W, making it two in a row now as we now go into the little back half of the road stretch we got coming up. But, I mean, shot the ball pretty well. I mean, 50% from the floor, 47 from three. I mean, that's been our MO, shoot the lights out. We were able to get some rebounds in this game, which was good to see. Uh, maybe keep the turnovers down. I know that's been what Bronx has been tr- really mm-hmm. preaching is taking care of the basketball. But, I mean, with this – when this team is functioning in the full array of plays that we have set up just to get guys open and open looks off of out-of-bounds plays, off of sets, and yeah. even just taking setting up good isolation matchups, I mean, this this team really just lights it up, and it's really fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got guys like Walt Kelzer who is kind of keeping on that streak of the averaging 20 points a game with 25. I mean, Lee with 16, he gets in double digits. Uh Dorian with nine, so he's almost there, but he was still forcing the paint as well with the rebounds and stuff like that. I mean, it's great to see all these guys kind of culminate together. And not only to mention that, but when we have our three-point shooting going, we're almost unstoppable. That's when we really start going. And the best part about that is is we have guys like Dorian and Lee who can fill it up. But, I mean, you give it to Walt, you give it to Mikel, you give it to Ethan Erickson, Jimmy Shore can make it, Ben Davidson can make it. That's, you know, eight, nine guys who can really, on a dime, or on a switch, fill up the basketball from the arc and that's going to be a big thing for when we come into the later part of this season and I think the big thing too that you can kind of attest uh, our ability to kind of really set it up in the second half is we've played 17 games so far Northwood I mean they played 13 so that four game difference is a huge thing especially when we've played teams already like Grand Valley and UMD and these good teams that are you know ranked in the in D2, and I don't think Northwood really has had too much to see, especially since a lot of their games, and especially in the league, have gotten canceled due to COVID. So that's kind of a big thing, too, that's been nice, is we haven't really had many uh, cancellations. We've had one against, what was it, Davenport, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Postponed. But that wasn't, that wasn't from our side. That was yeah, from theirs. Yeah, but that was like postponed. So that's the one good thing is like we're able to you know play every game that's scheduled. We're not really having too many breaks. And I think when these teams that we're going to be seeing later that you know have played four or five games less than us that are coming off a week break because of COVID, that's going to be a big thing. And that's going to be really valuable, I think, when we get to tournament time and later on in the season. Yeah, I think one thing when you look at this team, and I mean, especially speaking from the game previously, um, Lake State as well, where we won 95 to 80 uh, last Thursday that we talked about in the 
the previous show. Um, I mean, Lake State brought it, that's for sure. But the depth on this team, I think, goes with, like goes without saying because, I mean, this, this team really has so many vital pieces. I mean, you've got the starting crew, obviously, that are going to have the most eyes on them for sure. But, I mean, we almost had all of our starters in double figures that game. Really, the only exception was Jimmy, who we know, of course, is a pass-first kind of guy. Yeah. And he had seven, though. That's like... Yeah, I mean, he was close. I mean, he had the five assists and everything, but... Uh, I mean, you had Ben Davidson, 13 off the bench. Michael Bingham has been a spark ever since he's come into the lineup. I mean, he had 11 in this game. I think he was perfect from the field. I mean, mm-hmm. and then you got guys like Ethan Erickson. You got Reese Hazleton and Bass Grizzolis that can give you great minutes as well. I mean, there's just so many so many vital pieces on the bench as well that come in. Because, I mean, especially in that Lake State game, I mean, there was some times where they were just kind of slumped and then, Boom, Ben comes in and hits gets a big bucket or Michael come Michael comes in and hits a big three and then the momentum just switches on it switches on its head. So, I mean, the depth on this team is incredible to see cuz no matter who you know is in the game, you know exactly yeah. what the philosophy is. I mean, you're never going into the game it's like, "Oh, now here comes the sub, all right. Well, maybe we can hold off for 5 minutes." Like, "No, no, it's attack mode. It's attack mode. Keep yeah. going." And I mean, we have guys that step in and fill that role flawlessly and I mean, that's why we're at the top. We're near the top of the GLIAC right now, and I believe nine and zero now in GLIAC play. Yep, top of the top of the table, top dogs, and that's the one good thing to see, uh, especially uh, against Lake State. Is like we're able to get a lot of because like the first half we came out pretty slow. I think the energy really wasn't there. Of course, we didn't press that much. So like I think that's kind of a big thing. Is they went on I think was it a fourteen to two run to. Uh, break out the game like State did. So I want to say something around there. It yeah. was it was a pretty big deficit when we took that first timeout that we had to kind of claw our way back from. But you know we had a lot of guys step up and you know create a spark. I mean late in the game, Logan Ryan with that uh, with that breakaway slam dunk oh, that yeah. was pretty big. I mean Ben Davidson at the half getting the block and then going down, pulling up from three to beat the buzzer and then cashing that. And then that's when the crowd really got going. I think that was a big thing to go in the locker room with. And then you got, you know, Walt Kelzer was able to drive, make some big baskets, get those and ones. I mean, Lee had a pretty good job of doing that. He caught a couple. So that's the one good thing to know is as the season goes on and if we're a little bit slow coming out, a lot of guys are able to provide that spark. I mean, like you said, Mikel was perfect from the field. That's going to be a big thing when you need to make some threes or when you need a transition bucket or something like that. He's able to do that. And when you got guys, too, who can, you know, when they're on the fast break, get those slam dunks and stuff and really get the crowd going, that's going to be a big thing. When we host teams, and I think that's going to be a big thing to get the bench going and the away crowd going when we travel to other places. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, the only, like, the only flaw that you can really look at our team so far is, I mean, we just start off a little slower. And, I mean, that's just kind of the style of play we've kind of adopted. And, I mean, I mean, you know, we mentioned this multiple times. Yeah. It's almost like we're a second-half team or whatever. And, I mean, that's the if you want to have a good half, I mean, the second half is the, probably the better half to do it. But, I mean, obviously, it hurts when you go down early, almost double digits, and then have to claw your way back. just makes it a little more inconvenient. But, I mean, one team that definitely did not do that when moving over to the women's side was the women's squad again. Lake State. I mean, we came out with one of our best first quarters that we've had in, I think, five or six games. I mean, maybe even arguably the best yeah, of the year this, so far. That was a good game. Yeah, I mean, we had 29 first quarter points, and I know writing the recap in the, the sports section of the torch, you can check that out as well. Me and Joe right in there. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Um, our last five games, we had scored 15 points or less in the first quarter, and we almost doubled that in this game going 29 points in the opening 10. So, I mean, this was a huge, huge momentum boost for this team. And, I mean, really being able to beat Lake State was 
was a good quality win. I mean, Lake State had really came in with the pretty much their backs against the wall, coming up against one of the best conference teams, and it's their first game in almost a month. So, I mean, kudos to them for being able to come and travel and play. It's pretty competitive early on, but we did a great job of putting our pedal down, and, I mean, just really pedal to the metal, keep growing the lead, keep growing the lead. And that was the one thing that I noticed was it was just a tenacity to keep going, keep going, keep going, because, I mean, if you let up there, it looks a lot worse than when you play close and win outright in the end rather than mm-hmm. winning by 20 and then it drops it too But by the time the buzzer sounds. So it's a good thing to see them dominate in that game and take care of business. And it, it really was nice to see a lot of the bench players step up. I mean, Samantha Krause and Maya Hiram both had 15 points off the bench. Adrian Anderson had 16 to lead. The team, Mallory McCartney, had 10 assists in this game. Zoe Anderson had six boards as well. But, I mean, same really, same thing. A lot of depth on this team as well. And, I mean, they're able to shoot the whites out sometimes. And, I mean, just having Chloe and Maya playing good minutes. Margo Napaga's played great minutes as well down low. Just adding another element that we didn't see from this team last year. And that's really what has propelled us forward from the middle of the pack now to near the top of the table here in the GLIAC Conference. Yeah, for sure. And that's the one good thing, too. I mean, obviously when we played Northwood last night, it was a little bit of a different story, but I'm pretty sure Northwood is near the top of the GLIAC and they're a little bit better. Especially you go into their place, it's a little bit tougher. And I think the the difference, especially because Northwood I think is only two spots behind us in the GLIAC and Lake Superior State was near the bottom. So I think to go from that difference, yeah, I mean when we put a 50 spot on Lake Superior State, you definitely want to continue that momentum and you'll have a lot of momentum going for it when everybody's playing well, but just to see the disparity of you know talent on those two teams is kind of tough uh, when you go into it. But we only lost by a little bit. It was still a really good game, and we played pretty well. It's just that you know when you lose by five, it's a tough one, especially coming off a fifty-point win. But you know it's it sucks because that starts off a a, a way stand that's going to be a tough one, especially with Saginaw Valley coming up when they have uh, Zuriki, who's a really good scorer, and then when you have to close out the week Wayne State, who I think is near the bottom of the table as well, but still you want to be able to end it pretty solid. So I think they can learn a lot from this loss to kind of continue those streaks that we have going, but it's going to be it's a good learning opportunity, and I think we played really well. It's just Northwood was able to edge us out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this game was definitely gritty. I mean, both teams didn't have their their best games. I mean, shooting-wise, I mean, there was quite a fit of turnovers, a a lot of fouls in this game as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, frankly, the difference, I mean, we were down seven after the first quarter. We climbed back, back, tied up at halftime. We had that five-point lead going into the third, and then Northwood just let it rip. That's really, I mean, they had 28 fourth-quarter points. I think they were 8 of 13 from the floor in the fourth quarter. They could not miss. And I mean, I mean, I wish I would have been able to watch this game and see exactly what happened there. But I mean, they must have got some open looks and they just knocked them down. And then and they just really took care of business down the stretch. What just that, that one was tough. I mean, Northwood is a great team. That would have been a huge win for us. I mean, they're six, 11 and six overall in the season. We're 13 and five now. So, I mean, they're a very good quality team. And I mean, that would have been a huge win. But I mean, this is kind of the the nice moment now where now we're turning the corner. Now we get to play these teams a second time. So we're going to be able to play Northwood again later in the season and be able to get them at home this time, which will be huge, especially to get a comeback victory, little revenge win on the season going into GLIAC Conference Championships and then eventually potentially going into the regional round of NCAAs in March. So, I mean, definitely looking at this game you would you'd hope for a different outcome i mean we played them pretty tough played them pretty gritty and i mean ultimately the home team just won out so 
it's unfortunate, but um, definitely some great performances. Adrian Anderson had 16 points. Um, Zoe Anderson had 11 with six boards. Clay Adoni had seven rebounds with 11 points. Kane Blanchard was four of nine from three. She had 12 points in this game as well as seven boards. Um, not as much uh, bench scoring in this game, but I mean the way that it just was filling out. I mean it was just such a an aggressive game. I know um, Maya Hiram got into foul trouble a little bit. Zoe Anderson, Adrian Anderson both got into foul trouble a little bit. So made it a lot tougher to um, rotate some players in, especially the way the game flow was. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to see him twice. And hopefully, I mean, we're going to be ready the second time because yeah, this, sure. this one's going to sting gonna a little bit. going to be at home, too, so that's going to be a good thing. Absolutely. Now, I mean, on the road stretch for both teams, two big games coming up this week. Joe, Gleak scoreboard. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, uh, happening Thursday, Lake Superior State is going to be taking on Wayne State. Uh, Northwood is going to try to get the uh, streak going against Michigan Tech. Uh, Parkside is going to be playing against Grand Valley State, so probably Grand Valley is going to get the W. But upset alert might be on the watch out for Parkside. Uh, Purdue Northwest is going to be taking on Davenport. That one's going to be pretty solid. Two teams who are lower in the GLIAC standings, but they're going to be fighting for a spot uh, for later on in the playoffs. And then we're going to be taking on Saginaw Valley State. Uh, later on. And it's basically the same thing for the men's side, except Davenport and Gravel Valley are going to be playing today, January 25, uh, 2022, uh, for a makeup game. So that one's going to be pretty solid. Uh, and then it's basically the same thing all throughout up until Saturday, but we'll give that uh, upcoming on the Thursday show. Yeah, absolutely. We'll preview those. More information and all stats and more are on yeah. the website. That's the nice thing about basketball is like, now that it's back to what it used to be or whatever, everybody plays the same people. But Yeah, it's fun that way, yeah. and it's easier for us. So, But anyway, transitioning over, oh boy, we did it. Grab the brooms. Oh, my Grab gracious. Grab the brooms, push the bus, whatever you want to say it. I'm so We happy. got the sweep. We got our first sweep of the sweep. season. Let's go against Bemidji, too. That's the best part about it. Men's hockey coming in hot, going into Bemidji, Minnesota. Standing tall, Noah Gearsbreg being the goalie that he is. What a dog! He gets the he gets two wins after uh, having a pretty rough sh- rough go about it the first time that he showed up in a dog's uniform. But nonetheless, able to bounce back, get a great job, get goaltender of the week for the CCHA. Ergang gets rookie of the week for the CCHA, so that's a great thing to see. Brandon, it's a great day to be a bulldog. It is. I'm so happy. I was elated when I checked the Saturday score and I saw it was 5 nothing, because you know what that told me, Joe? We were ready for the second game. That's right, dude. That's yes. right. We never are, but we got it this time, oh dude. Oh, my gosh. So good. This is, I, I hope everyone's like grasping the emotion. Like We've been waiting for this so long, and it finally came about. And on the what. road, nonetheless. I'll tell you what, another, thing, another thing that, but I mean, the two goals did come in the third period. So we did kind of stay true to that, giving up some goals in the third period. However, you don't even worry about when you put a five spot on before that even happens. So. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, going into the first game, Friday was a closer one. Uh, I mean, this one was looking kind of bleak early on. Bemidji got one on us in the early or in the early period. Then we responded to tie it up. And then the third period was, I mean, just pretty much deadlocked till the very end. Caleb Erkhang ends it. What a goal to get the win I see the, yeah, on that was, the road. That was crazy. Huge. And I mean, especially for him. And that was a guy that I was mentioning earlier on now that we had some guys moving on from the program that are going to have opportunities to step up. And boy, he took his, right? Game-winning goal. Beautiful job by Caleb Bergang and well-deserving 
of the Rookie of the Week honors. But huge game for us early on. I mean, this one really kind of set the tone. We did a really good job of like limiting the penalties, I would say. I mean, we only had three infractions. We did yeah. have one later that kind of set us back um, in the third period. And then, I mean, in the early part of the third period as well. But, I mean, the biggest thing I saw was like, we didn't shoot very much, but boy, we put the quality in over this weekend. We only had 21 shots overall in the Friday contest, including only four in the third period. But I mean, our gangs was just money. And I mean, that's all it takes sometimes. It's now like we're flipping the script. We like the quality over the yeah, quantity now. Sure. And now it's working. But I mean, we got to see that in Saturday. How wonderful is that? Getting up 5-0 at one point. Yeah, he, he did give up two goals in the third period. But yep. like we said, it doesn't matter when you score five that's true. in the first that's true. two periods. So it was wonderful. Getting the sweep, get the brooms out. I mean, our social media team had a fun with this one. Yeah. And I mean, really. I mean, they get the bus stuck earlier on, on the way up there. Up, I, it was when they were like, basically the, the first time that they started to go. Because I, I was talking to some hockey players and they went up uh, through Wisconsin or like up through the UPD, Wisconsin. But they got stuck in a parking lot, had to push that out with basically everybody helping, which was funny. And then they come in. Some adversity going to Bemidji, who's the number two team in the CCHA right now. They're in the top 25. I don't know if anymore because, I mean, they lose to us two times in a row. But they were in yeah. the top 25 uh, during or before this matchup started and then able to go in there, make, I mean, get the goals rolling, get the goals scoring a lot, which is something that we desperately needed was just a big goal scoring game and holding them to a little amount. So it's a it's a great thing to look forward to, especially with Bowling Green coming up this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that Thursday. But, you know, it's a great way to just enjoy this while we are or while we have it. And then now I know the boys are going to be getting ready in practice to put another big uh, goal spot on Bowling Green. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Noah Giesbrecht has had, boy, since he's come over, he's had some great games so far. I mean, he's right now, I think, 3-2 and two so far overall, and that's a really good line coming in. I mean, he's been pretty, he's been, he did pretty well over the weekend. And I mean, it's good to see, especially for him, like, it's only his first month here on campus, so he's been doing really well. And I mean, he had thirty-five um, or thirty-three saves on thirty-five shots in the second game as well. So I mean, right now this team's rolling. I mean, we're we're killing it. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there on, on the, um, the penalty kill. But uh, yeah, sorry, that was really bad. But you know what I mean. We're doing great on the penalty kill. We're putting quality on our shots. We're getting quality looks. And I mean. I, I will admit there was a couple of goals, and if you watch the highlights, you could probably be like, okay, that was maybe a little bit lucky. Like, especially the one um, that was, like, deflected off of the Bemidji player into the net. Yeah, I think it was the second goal. But, hey, it still counts, baby. So Yeah, it's on the scoreboard hey, regardless. Yeah, it's on the scoreboard. So, But, I mean, the, the, the plays off the faceoff were spectacular. I mean, the Marshall Moyes one in the second period was flawless, just a perfect spot. And then Nordicha's goal between the legs, the goaltender. And that angle, pff, pure filth. Oh, my goodness. What a win. For, what a good win for this team. Congrats to hockey with the sweep. For sure. Well needed, especially going into this weekend. Cole Norris is back. He's coming to town. Bowling Green State going to be this weekend at home. Going to be a fun one. Friday night, 7.07. Saturday night, 6.07. Ooh, it's going to be fun. We got we put six on them earlier last one. Well, I guess it was last year, but mm -hmm. earlier this year at their place and almost got them the second time around. They barely beat us the second time, but... Keep the ball rolling. This is a momentum swing. It's now or never. We want home ice in the CCHA. Go time. Gas pedal. Let's do it.
For sure. And some other scores from around the CCHA. Not too many teams in action over the weekend. Uh, St. Thomas did play uh, Minnesota State on Thursday. Uh, they lost 5-1. Uh, that was at St. Thomas. So not the greatest performance by them, but, I mean, what are you going to do when it's the number one ranked team in the nation? Yeah, and wasn't then, that an outdoor game too? Yeah, it was, yeah, uh, that was hockey, cool. week, hockey weekend in Minnesota. So yeah, that was that really was cool. cool to see. Uh, that was on Thursday, though, and then Saturday was hockey weekend in Minnesota because that was in Mankato mm-hmm. and Minnesota State. Uh, kept the reputation and put another seven spot on them, 7-1, uh, so the Tommies could not take on the Mavericks there. But And then Lake Superior State just had a quick little exhibition game for the weekend against the U.S. National Team's Development Program for the U18, 5-1, to one, uh, which kind of is like the usual story whenever a CCHA team plays them because they're usually able to play pretty well. I mean, last time we played them, I think we put uh, 6-1 on them, but that was like two years ago. But Something like uh, that, yeah. And then... Obviously, we beat Bemidji 2-1 the first time and then 5-2 the second time. So sweep in Bemidji, Minnesota, Sweet. and we got some pretty good games upcoming. But like I said, we'll go over that Friday or Thursday, uh, and we'll look at the schedule then. Yes, yeah, going to be fun. I mean, then you can check out more and online as well. We need to bust out the dog pound this weekend. We need to do it. This team's got some wins for you. Now they want you to come and keep it rolling for them at home. So be there, be square. Tickets are on sale now at the website, and there might be some giveaways going on. I don't know. We haven't heard word yet if there's a flash sale or not, but if not, make sure you follow the Ferris Hockey pages in case there are. But anyway, moving over now into the uh, tennis team was in um, was in an exhibition, the women's team against Western Michigan. Uh, outcome similar to the men's side, so uh, didn't quite get the the best um, get the best games going. But I mean, playing a D one team like we said last year, it's a very similar start. And I mean, I like the idea that they're starting big. They're going up against big teams early on, seeing what they got, and then they can start tuning it in for some of the, the conference games that are a little bit more matched. So it's going to be fun to see how they do. Um, I mean, overall, I mean, it's not fun to lose. I, I, I get yeah. that. But, I mean, if you're going to lose, I mean, an exhibition is definitely more one you'd rather lose, I would say, and rather than an actual, like, conference game. So um, going to be interesting. Looking forward to see how this team progresses as they look for a second ring in a row. Yes, sir gonna be fun but it is anyway finishing out the fair state sports report on the track the gang was in saginaw at the doug hansen open a little bit of a smaller team there's a little bit of a covid protocol situation on the team but everybody that competed there did very well uh ray lee won the 60 meters congrats lay with a 7.02 he was so close to breaking seven i was really hoping he would he also got third place in the 200 meter dash dakota Simpson was 11th uh randall cook the runner up in the 400 with andrew Schaff fourth and Kevin Wilson 10th in the 800 meters there was a couple as well top 11 overall finishers in the mile and the 3k Donis Harris was third in that event Nathan Alfer was seventh as well and then Jake Zamita was fourth in the shot put Forrest Akers was sixth and the Bulldogs wait for it won the four by four we pulled off a big upset against Saginaw Valley did Let's they drop go. out of the race yes but hey a win is a win, baby. We made it all the way around instead of them. So that's all it takes sometimes, you know? You know, people won't, people won't remember if it's a, on a technicality or what. All they nope. see is a W, baby. All, all they see, see is a W. is a W. So the dogs will be back on the track. We'll be back in GV and Allendale on behind enemy lines for the Bill Klinger Classic. That will be on Friday, January 28th. So 
Uh, hopefully, I don't. I'm not sure if I'm racing this meet. Maybe we'll. Maybe maybe I'll break my own Schefter breaking news on Thursday. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, we'll see. You Should then. I do that? We'll All see right. you then. Count. Right. Start the countdown clock. Brandon's announcement is gonna All happen right. Thursday. All right. Do 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 do. Yeah. Put up a social media graphic or something. That Brandon Sheftering Schefter moment is coming. But <laughs> anyway, uh, that will be on Friday. So hopefully, if we do, we can. I can get on back from my race and be able to watch us potentially beat Bowling Green State because that sure, would be sure. a great Friday night. And I'm looking forward to it. But that's the Ferris State Sports Report. When we come back, NFL Divisional Round. Should they change overtime? Oh, it's going to get heated. Stay tuned. Crazy weekend in NFL NFL divisional rounds, not NFL because that's not what it's pronounced. Uh, crazy weekend in NFL divisional rounds: Bengals, Titans, 49ers, Packers, Rams, Buccaneers, and Bills, Chiefs. All great games to watch. All great games. Uh, it was honestly crazy. So we'll start off with the Bengals Titans game. What a game that was! Joe Shiesty, he's ice cold. Evan McPherson, <laughs> he's ice cold too. They started off the weekend on Saturday with a great game. It was a little bit low scoring, sixteen nine. So I that was a little bit different. I thought it was going to be a little bit higher, uh, but the Titans couldn't really, uh, you know, rely on Derrick Henry as much as they wanted to. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was a little bit less than ideal. He had a good throw. I think uh, I think it was like second quarter, third quarter, one of those two. He did have a pretty couple pretty good showings, but. The Bengals and Joe Burrow just can't be stopped. Man, 19-6, Brandon. What a, what a game that was. What a game. What a weekend, first of all. I mean, I couldn't have pictured any better of there was four not a, divisional games. There was games. not a game that like I was not like on the edge of my seat at the end. No, and that's exactly what the playoffs should be like. This is what it should be playoffs. like. This is this is a commercial-free football. That's that's what we I want. I wish, dude. But, um, I, should, we, should we have a red zone for NFL playoffs? And we do them at the same time. Could you imagine all these games happening at the exact same time? I feel like that'd just be too much. That'd be too much. I would not. I would just have to like. All right, get me out of here. I'd have to like reset like every like twenty <laughs> seconds. Yeah, it would just be absolutely insane. Like, oh, there's a field. Oh, there's another field goal. Oh, we threw an intercept. <laughs> it would just be. It would just be absolute chaos. But just a thought for mine. Anyway, this game, uh, Bengals and Titans. Uh, yeah, I picked this one wrong, and it was strictly because I actually trusted Ryan Tannehill. My no bad. That was a bad idea, I guess. So, so guess who chose right? You did choose right, Sean. I, I, I chose right. But, uh, I think this game, I mean, when you looked at it, I mean, the Titans defense played very good, especially up front. That was one thing I was really looking forward to seeing yeah. how this team I mean, did. they got sacked 10 times. Yeah, it was like, yeah, nine or 10 times they sacked Joe Burrow. But, I mean, yeah, he stayed. game is not great. He's, That's the one thing that I'm kind of worried about for this upcoming game that they have. But Yeah, they stayed. They stayed true. Joe played like a veteran, not Nagy, Burrow, of course. Um, you could be an FL QB, though. No, but, I could not. I could not. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, six po- or 66.7 passer rating. I mean, he threw three picks. And the first, they were all in bad places, too. The first one to start the game, just flip the momentum completely to the opposite side. That's a great way to start a football game. And then they do it in the red zone. They throw an interception in the red zone in their first drive of the third quarter to potentially answer the Bengals. And then they do it on the last throw of the game. You can't do that. Oh, you can't do that, Ryan. You can't force that throw. Because you got to know that when you're throwing in double coverage, you got to plan that that ball is going to get tipped. You just have to at that scenario. And is it that much worth it? Because at that time, then, you're going to have to get your team up quick to get that next snap off. And now you're in a situation of, 
oh, it's just a quick decision, and then obviously it turned out wrong. But, I mean, a great win for the Bengals, and what a story they've been. Coming back from a five-win, I believe five-win season last year without Joe Burrow due to his ACL injury, and the comeback kids with Zach Taylor of all leading the crew. Weren't some people calling for him to be fired? Yeah, those people probably aren't too happy right now. (laughs) And Zach Taylor's laughing at him, and it's hilarious. Big win for the Bengals. I'm excited for this because now this shows NFL teams that, you know what? It doesn't matter what you did last year. You can do anything the next year. This is good for the NFL. Yeah, for sure. That's the one good thing about it, too. I mean, this was just a crazy game to see. I love how it just ended on. Did you see McPherson before uh, um, he shot, or not shot, but kicked a field goal? Yeah. He said, he's like, looks like we're going to the championship, boys. Yep. The amount of confidence that you have to go into that, especially from at that rookie. level from a rookie, from a guy who's drafting the fifth round, to be able to just go up and be like, yeah, I got this. Don't even worry about it, guys. We're going to be going to the to the divisional championship, which is crazy. And that's the one thing, too, is like when uh, in the interview or whatever, too, when Joe Burrow was like getting interviewed and the confidence he had in McPherson, too, was just really great to see. But I think the the uh, amount of chemistry that that team has is something that can really put them past for, uh, you know, the Chiefs and stuff like that. Uh, but it's going to be tough because uh, like we were talking about that front seven for them on the offensive line, that's going to be the deciding factor. Because Joe Burrow might be able to scramble out and he'll be able to find Jamar Chase and get some pretty good throws in there. And then he toss it to uh, Mixon when need be. But, you know, it's going to be come down to if he gets sacked more than double digits in a championship game for an offensive line, that's not going to be looking too great for them. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, definitely looking at, like, their, the Bengals' secondary, I'll be honest, I overlooked them. I really did. I mean, they, they played fantastic in this game. That was one of the, the the question marks that I had going in if I was going to pick the Bengals is how was their secondary play, and they obviously played really well. Three interceptions. I mean, Logan Wilson had six tackles and a pick. I mean, he was fantastic in that game. They, I mean, regardless of what the Titans did, the front seven, I mean, Cincinnati did a great job too, but I mean overall, I think the I think I would agree with you in the fact that I mean Derrick Henry twenty touches in his first game back was not necessarily a recipe for success. I mean he only had I think three point one yards per carry. That's a good average running back stat, but Derrick Henry's not an average back. He's arguably yeah. the best running back to any NFL. Some even even would say he's the best, but. I mean, I think we should have saw a little bit of Deontay Foreman personally in this game. I mean, they only had a couple of runs, but boy, some of them were just explosive. I wanted to see him get the football more and not try to throw downfield Ryan Tannehill. I'm just going to keep my cool. It's fine. Bengals are moving on to face a team that we will discuss later. Anyway, second game on Saturday, San Francisco 49ers moving on. What a game that was, Holy honestly. Smokes. Was not expecting that in the slightest. 13-10. I, was it this game that I said was going to be a little bit lower scoring? Uh, I think you might have. I think I said it was like 28 to I'm not telling you to. I'm not telling you to bet on my picks, but when you bet on my picks, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, all I'm saying. You know how I said that I will last say week. this. I'm pretty sure I got it wrong because I said Green Bay, right? Uh, yeah, you said Green so Bay. There's that, I also but I said, said it was going to be Bay. low scoring anyways, so... That's going to be tough. I don't know if San Francisco is going to be doing too well in the next round or in this game upcoming this weekend because they're just – I don't think Jimmy G is like – 
the best quarterback to have for them right now because he definitely has shown his flaws. I mean, he did have an interception. He only had 130 yards as well and zero TDs, so it was basically all on the defense was the reason that they uh, won the game there. Uh, but regardless, they're going to the to the championship round after you know losing in the Super Bowl a few years ago, not having the greatest season following, but they're able to be back. And I know a lot of 49ers fans are going to be excited for this one. I know we got Wes, who's probably just – Having a super great time. One of no, our bosses yes. is looking a lot, uh, looking forward to this. But you know, Green Bay, they kind of held true. They choked in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be out of here uh, for this upcoming season. Ooh. Detroit bound, who knows? But what? You know, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, this was a this was a game. I think where it was just like. I didn't think Aaron Rodgers played his best. I think he probably did that on purpose because he knew he was going to be out of here anyways. He did have 225 yards, but against a San Francisco team in Green Bay and you don't have a passing touchdown and you are real there's a lot of times where he underthrew and overthrew a lot of throws of course it was in the snow but you can make the argument that Aaron Rodgers was playing a little bit less than what he's able to because he's used to like this used to this snow and used to playing in these conditions and he did not play his best and yeah you can say like team guys don't play their best or guys have some off days it just happened that it was in this divisional round but I think with everything going on, he just didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. I think you can kind of attest that to maybe he was trying to put some more icing on the cake and just wanted to get out of there even sooner. Well, you know, he was boycotting the Super Bowl, right? It's yeah. pretty easy when you're not there. <laughs> so, I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying. I I mean, I, I was asked the question um, yesterday from a family member, who do you think won this game, the San Francisco defense or the Green – or or did the San Francisco defense win this game or did the Green Bay – offense lose this game and I think it was definitely a combination of both I personally said that it was San Francisco's defense because the way that they were able to pressure Rodgers and disguise coverages was fantastic because there was a lot of times that they forced Rodgers to throw the ball away or have to make a tight throw that was nearly impossible but you can't say that I mean Green Bay underperformed in this game offensively for sure I mean Aaron Rodgers is now 0-4 against the 49ers in the playoffs First quarterback to lose four starts against one team in NFL history. And the Packers at home, even though, how many years do we say when Green Bay is at home, they're almost guaranteed a victory? They have seven losses at home in the last 20 years. That's the most in the National Football League. They've lost at Lambeau seven times in the the postseason. Yes. Wow. But it seems like every year, right? Rodgers at Lambeau. With that crew, oh, it's an, it. You can't beat. Yeah, them. it's like it's a guaranteed win. That's, That's just what the you always think. It's incredible. But San Francisco's defense played pretty solid, as I was hoping in this game. I definitely was lower scored than no. I think both of us really expected. But Debo Samuel really changed the season for this team and his resiliency in this game. I mean, he. I think he had ten carries, thirty nine yards, three catches, forty four yards. He was a difference maker, playing through injury, giving his guys the momentum and just that 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 pure motivation to keep playing. I mean, he was playing through injury all night, but still they ended up getting it done. Elijah Mitchell was great. Kittle was back to himself. It's been a while since he's had those type of numbers that I think 63 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Jones did pretty well. Devontae Adams did pretty well. But other than that, Joe, not much else in the receiving end. So yeah, not really. Unless that changes. I mean, we could be potentially looking at a Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers-less Green Bay Packers. 
That's gonna next be season. For them. That might be a less than 500 season, but but it's Jordan Love season, so everything's gonna be okay. That's true. That's true. They drafted him for a reason. Uh-huh. They love the guy, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. What is it? This oh, I heard this ridiculous stat. Like 30, 35 years, the Green Bay has had Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. How many Super Bowls do they have with like them? Three. Two. 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 Wow. That's a tough pill to swallow. They're a, they're a regular season powerhouse, I'll tell you that much. That is true. But playoff time? They just can't oof, do anything. Not great, but that was an exciting game. And they now will be facing off against the Tampa Bay But Oh, no, it's not. The Rams. Matthew Stafford. The Rams. Los Angeles Rams are moving on. Oh, my gracious. What a football game. I will say game. this. I will say this. I'm glad my choice is wrong. I'm glad my choice is wrong because I bet on Tom Brady because Tom Brady in the playoffs at home is like basically like Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. No, it's like <laughs> it's better than it's that. It's better than that. <laughs> he's he's unbeatable at home. But the thing is, is when I saw that or when I I knew that Matt Stafford was going to be resilient and I knew that he was going to lead a team to a, a very competitive game and I was rooting for them the whole time and I wanted them to win. But just statistically, you don't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs with the people around that he has. However, Rams 30-27. to Once again, kicker comes in to save it. I was a little bit worried because they were up by a lot in the first half. But oh, then again, yeah. I mean, Tom Brady 28-3. to I mean, you can just always say that anytime oh, he's down at halftime. It's 27-3. No, to 27-3, regardless. But it doesn't matter how big of a lead you have against Tom Brady. You always got to play well for it. And the Rams did. They played really well. And it was reminiscent of the 2013 playoffs against the Dallas Cowboys when Matt Stafford's like, clock it, clock <laughs> it, clock it. And he was having all those uh, voice cracks and stuff like that. But it's great to see that he's able to go to the championship round. Against the 49ers, I think they'll have a lot better of a time with that because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to you know, be able to get away from both Aaron Donald and Von Miller and then have uh, – Jalen Ramsey lock up their best receiver. So it's going to be a good game for that, too. But, you know, Matt Stafford played pretty solid. Uh, you know, two TDs, 366 yards, 28 for 30, only missing 10 throws. And then Tom Brady, he played pretty solid as well. But I think it's just that interception that was the big thing that took the wind out of their sails. He was only 30 for 54. So when you're throwing 54 times in a game, it's kind of tough. He did, over, he did have over 300 yards, but, you know, it was all Leonard Fournette. And when he came back, I knew that was going to be a problem for him. Uh, but, you know, Rams were able to kind of hold – hold the team, I think, to enough of a deficit in the first half that no matter really what they tried, it wasn't going to be enough for them to win. So it was a great, really great, really great game to watch. I mean, Cam Akers, too, did pretty solid when he when they uh, needed him to have it. He was able to pick up some yards. He was a little bit low on what he's averaging, but regardless, him being back, especially what he's been able to do with that Achilles story and his uh, you know recovery story and being able to really be somebody who they can turn to, like I said, only averaged two yards a carry, so it wasn't super great, but, you know, when you need those two yards on a third and two or a fourth and two when you need it, who's the guy you're going to give it to? So it was great to see. And Cooper Cup played well as well too. So Cooper Cup good. is amazing. Best dynasty draft pick ever by yours truly. But I think you have to say, like, when you think about how this game progressed, you got very scared in the second half. You're a Rams fan. I mean, four fumbles is not ideal. In a playoff game, when you're leading, not great. All the momentum was back to the Bucks, but... Matt Stafford did his thing, and it was great to see. I know Dan Orlovsky is loving it on ESPN this morning, wearing his wingman jacket all over the place for him, and I appreciate that. But I want to tone it down just a little bit there, Buckaroo. It's only one game. We don't know what he's going to do yet. They could get beat by the Niners a third time. Is it likely? No, but 
you never know at this point because your boy is also 0-4 in his picks this week. But I don't care because it was too good <laughs> of a football game to watch. And I even care more that it was more fun than how my picks were. But I'm sorry if you bet on my picks. I guess I jinxed that. But <laughs> the Rams won this game on the defensive side on the front four. That's how they won this game. Pressures on Tom were huge. I think they counted 17 pressures. That's like the most Brady's ever had against him. Like it's got to yeah. be up there, I would say. I want. I wonder what the stat line says on that. First ever unsportsmanlike conduct foul against him of his career. He did. He did. He was that frustrated. They, the Rams flustered him up front. Von Miller was a big part of that. Boy, that was a great trade, wasn't it? I think he had. I think he had nine, if I remember. Yeah, he had nine of the nine pressures on Tom Brady. That's, That's crazy. Inc- that, I mean, when you got them, you got Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, those guys are going after him. And it was just really fun to watch. That defense is really – that's what we wanted to see that defense do. I mean, the first half, not the second half. Second half's more scary. And that's why we actually give San Francisco a chance in this game. But at the end of the day, Matt Stafford, I think, finally got himself proven as, you know what? The guy's He's actually legit. pretty good. He's legit. And we've been saying that for so many years. And I'm telling you what, a lot of you guys who are doubters – Look at him now. He don't even care. He's going to be a Super Bowl champion nope. this year, and I know it. Talk to the hand, please. I know it. But the guy who's not going to be a Super Bowl champion this year is Josh Allen and no. the Bills. Hate to see it. I was really hoping the Bills were going to pull this off. We're also going to be talking about how the overtime rules are garbage in the Ooh. NFL. But, you know, this game was probably the arguably one of the best. I think it's a new rivalry that we're seeing with the Bills and Chiefs in the play in the in in postseason, I can't talk all of a sudden. Uh, but this was what a, an incredible game. I mean, in the fourth quarter, in the last, I think it was a minute 30, 25 points were scored, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Bills lost 36-42 to 42 in overtime. Uh, there's a lot of thoughts on what needs to be happening to the overtime rules, but, I mean, we'll get into the uh, that in a second. But, I mean, Josh Allen, 329 yards, four touchdowns. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And four of those were to Gabriel Davis. Set a record for the most uh, touchdowns in the postseason. Yeah, Gabriel Davis was awesome. And or in I, a game, or a postseason game, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got, we got you. Um, there, there definitely was like, wow, why did Gabriel Davis have such a big game and not like Stephon Diggs? And that was because they were literally spying Devon or Stephon Double Diggs team the whole entire time. game. Oh yeah, safety spy all the time. And I mean, Gabriel Davis was a beneficiary of that because I mean. He was the guy that was going to be open, and he definitely made use of it. I mean, the guy was just fantastic. He came up with a big route run uh, for when they scored that oh, like twenty. Ankle Dude, breaker. that was such oh, a nasty gracious. move. It was just a little in, or just a little hesitation step, little hand, hand. Bop, bop, bop. and then he got him falling, <laughs> tripping over his own feet, and he was wide open. And then he had that really great, uh, really great uh, play. I think it was. I forget which one it was, but he was kind of like pushing, uh, not pushing off, but he was really selling. He was going to go left, and then he just turned right, and there was nobody, and Josh Allen was able to find him. So that was a really great game, and it was a really great performance by them. But, you know, you just can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. He's starting to be the new guy uh, that's just postseason. He's just a different breed. Really wish they didn't win because I don't want to see his brother make TikToks at the Super Bowl. Yeah. However, uh, we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, he did really well as Good. He did really good too. Both uh, quarterbacks going over 300 yards in the air. 378 for Patrick Mahomes. Three TDs. 33 for 44. It's just crazy. They had so many guys that were able to rush for a lot. I mean, Patrick had seven carries, averaged almost 10 yards a carry for him, which is crazy. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire also did pretty well. He was uh, pretty solid for them too. But you know, when you got Tyreek Hill, who's just faster than a cheat out there and can toss up the peace sign in the playoff game, and then you got Travis Kelsey, who runs a backyard football route uh, for 
them to be able to get in the field goal range is just ridiculous. And I guess now every time that there's 13 seconds on the clock for Patrick Mahomes, it's too much time. So, Yeah, can I pull a Stephen A for a second? Yeah, go for it. The, the Kansas City Chiefs got two plays off to get what was it from the the twenty five like from the, the twenty five to like the thirty six or something like that? Something like it that. Was in, it was like five uh, yards past field goal. Yeah, range. I mean, it was to the thirty one yard line in two plays in thirteen seconds to set up a field goal in like ten seconds. Dallas couldn't even down the football. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> that's way too funny right there. They couldn't even down the ball to set up a p- next play. Then when they run a quarterback drop. Anyway, sorry. That was the interceiving <laughs> it coming at me. That was my favorite moment watching Sports Center yesterday. Uh, or not Sports Center. A uh, first take yesterday. But you got to give credit to Kansas City for pulling the the big comeback there um, in the in the fourth, especially when I mean because early on it was Buffalo. I mean the momentum was to Buffalo. And, I mean, the way they came out, the first play, or first drive, I should say, 15 plays, 71 yards, it looked like nothing. And, I mean, it was all in their favor. But and but Buffalo really kept giving the punches back. And the only reason I'm saying, like, the it was necessarily a comeback, because, I mean, it was a pretty even game. There was really no need for the comeback. But, I mean, after that touchdown with 13 seconds left, it was just insane. I mean, I, I was like, yeah, it's over. Let's go. Josh Allen is going to the... And then uh, that happens. And I don't know what to say at that point. I'm jumping up and down in my living room. There's only 13 seconds up. I'm like, there's no way, right? I know. I was there watching, is a way. I was watching with my roommates, and we were just like, when Kansas City scored, we were like, oh, dang, like, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Like, There's a minute left. Like, Yeah, they got all their timeouts and stuff like that. Like, We were just kind of critiquing what they were doing. And then when uh, that... When Gabriel Davis got that touchdown, we were just going crazy. Like we were jumping up and down. We're like, "Oh my gosh!" But then he just goes down and then ties the game. And if you want to hop into this overtime rule or this overtime structure, however they do it, stupidest thing ever. What? Stupidest. Stupidest. You think think it's not okay? You're winning off the coin toss. You're winning off the coin toss. Yeah, you can make the point that like the Bills should have made a defensive stop, but like. You can't just have one. If it's overtime, you can't just have one team's offense just take over. When both offenses have been doing every, super great. Josh Allen did everything right. He did everything he needed to do in that game, and he still lost. I don't know. It's annoying because people will make that argument, and you probably will too, Brandon, that like you, the Bills should have made the defensive stop, but it's like go to college rules. I don't care if it's a game that goes to 80-84 to 84 or something like that or if it's an LSU-Texas A&M from a couple years ago where it went to nine overtimes and it was 100 70s. <laughs> in the 70s. That's what people want to see in playoff football. That's what they want to see. Yeah, the game might last till 1 a.m., but then it's like it's playoffs. It's the best teams. And why would you not give the best teams a chance to actually play well and be able to make it so that way they don't lose off a of technicality, basically? They lost off the – they. That's the only time tails. All, that's the only time tails failed, because he called tails and they, they didn't get it, and that's just so stupid. I don't know. I always get annoyed about it because I think you should have equal opportunity to like score on that. Because I think if you would have had that, it would have been definitely offensive shootout. And both you could have made the argument that if the Bills got a chance to go for it, then they would have. It would have been the same thing that Kansas City's defense should have made a stop. But I don't know. I'm annoyed by it because I think. They should definitely change it. You had a great idea before, Brandon, if you want to toss in what they should do for uh, the overtime, because I really like that too. But I don't know. It's just such a stupid thing because it leads to a lot of just wasted opportunities to see some great playoff games, and especially just some great games in general in the regular season. But they shouldn't make it so it's college rules rather than NFL because that's this is the stupidest overtime format of all the sports, and I'm going to stand by that.
Yeah, I've, I based off of what I've seen, I'm not like totally sold on just getting rid of the the the, the way overtime works right now. And I, I'm I'm not opposed to having it changed. I mean, obviously, like it would be a much better viewership, as Joe just pointed out. Just seeing both these teams slug it out. I don't like the full idea of just copying the college be- or the college rules just because, you know, like it's an it's NFL, it's not college football type of thing. But I, I mean, what, based off of the numbers and I, I was looking at the, the statistics on this, and I think it was Ian Rappaport that said it, um, that they, when they looked back into history on like, cause this idea of the, the current o- overtime rules over like the last 163 games that, the coin to the team that's won the coin toss has only won 52% of the time. And over time you're like, okay, it makes sense. But the way that the game has changed as far with the, there's just the, the offensive juggernaut is really almost of what it seems to be as of now. I mean, we're looking at higher scoring averages day by day when it mm-hmm. comes to this league. Um, I mean, it's very, it's very, very obvious that over the last like over the last ten playoff games, it's come down to a similar scenario to this: the hot team ends up winning the toss and then wins it because they're ten and one. So, I'm not a I'm I'm in I'm in like a pickle as far as saying completely abandoned with overtime is now because I think that makes like I'm I'm not saying like Kansas City did not deserve the to win that game. But I mean, Buffalo's defense did not help out. They they didn't help themselves. I mean, they they really struggled down the stretch. All you need is a stop. That's all you need. They just need a stop, and they just never got it. So I can't really defend the fact that they should have got the football back because mm-hmm. then you know it's a complimentary game. That's where I stand on that. But I think what you're talking about is like the it's like the Pat McAfee method. I think is what I brought up of that we should play out like a like a segmented series of ten minutes of football. Uh, the team that scores the most after 10 points wins. If not, then you go into a sudden death kickoff where you have alternating field goals. Like you'd start from the, the 35 and both teams will kick and they'll move it back to the 40, to the 45, to the mm-hmm. 50, then to like the 53, the 56. And you just keep going back and forth between the kickers. And then whoever makes one without the other one making it would win at the end of that. I think that'd be a cool idea to bring kicking more involved because they already took out the idea, the touchback rule, which is always just polite, man. I mean, the college one is worse in my opinion, but I mean, right now I'm just really on the fence with the overtime because I just don't like giving, like, I don't like the fact that we're, we're keeping offense so primarily focused when it comes to like the end of games, like mm-hmm. that team should get the ball again because I think the defense just, it's just flatly getting flat, getting faded, and I don't like that idea. So, but at the end of the day, I mean, whatever is best for the league, I'm all for. I know Drew Brees is all for Joe's idea, so I think that. Or I mean, not probably not his specifically, but the idea overall that Joe's yeah. speaking of. I mean, that would be pretty sweet if he was like, "Yeah, Joe Nagy, can you pitch us the NFL real quick?" But yeah, I, I'm personally not against changing it right now. I could be told otherwise, but I just I just don't like bailing the defenses out. I think they need to buckle in and play. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like Kansas City's defense didn't even get a chance to do anything. Like, it would have been the same thing. It would have been the same conversation. Like, Kansas City's defense should have stepped up because I know that would have gone to a crazy amount. Yeah, it might not have. Like, there was a slim chance. But the way that Josh Allen and that offense was playing and then to be able to see that and to be able to see that shootout, that could have arguably arguably been the greatest playoff football game of all time. But we got it snubbed from us because it's – NFL overtime is more defensive like testing than rather offense. 
And I think the big thing is, is you need to see both teams of which side, like which both teams are, both sides of both teams are going to be able to win their games. Because when you just level it to, all right, your defense has to make a stop here, and then the other team's defense, and it's just solely, uh, basically decide on that factor rather than like your defense has to get a stop and your offense has to play good guaranteed rather than just one team gets a chance then that's the one thing I have a problem with is because we won't always get to see the offensive side of both teams if they're playing well or if there's just a lucky like thing that goes off like say Kansas City got like a lucky like tip ball that went in the air because like they couldn't get the interception or like there was like a fumble and then they were able to recover it and score some or if it was some like uh like BS way to win on that or something like that. So that's the one thing I have a problem with is because like, yeah, in this certain instance, they had a great play and they were able to win off a great throw and a great catch for the touchdown. But there's a lot of different ways that you could put it where they could have won on like some stupid little one-off play and then Buffalo would have been sent home packing off of that. And that's the one thing I have a problem with. I just want them to change it so that way it's more like both teams get a chance at overtime since there's so many times where they're playing good and that we we as fans are getting taken out of these great games that we're able to watch because when it comes to playoffs, everybody's going to be watching them. But that's the only problem I have is when it gets to that point. Yeah, I I am I think like the ultimate thing, I I think everybody hates with, and I mean we'll finish off the show with this, The I think that people, or the thing that people hate the most is the fact that it's a coin flip. That's uh, that's the that's, most yeah. That's what I hate. That's, it's the, that's the element thing. everybody hates. It's a chance. It's a chance game. Yeah. So I now overall to me, it's like if you're gonna get rid of the coin altogether, then you got to do it at the beginning of the game too, because that's how it's decided who's gonna defer to the second half, and yeah. that changes the outcome of a game most of the time. So I think just the idea of the coin flip, deciding who gets the football, is one of the primary reasons why everybody's angry. Because if it was like, oh yeah, the away team gets it first, and then Buffalo gets it, and then they win, and it's like, oh yeah, that what what. What is this? Like, why does the away team automatically get it first or whatever? We should do a coin flip. And then it's like, okay. Now it's just really just a tough situation. But everybody's mad about the coin flip, and I can understand that. So, uh, I mean, there's some people. I'm sure if we, like, put up a poll, I'm sure more people are apt to have the overtime rules change. And I'm fine with that. I'm just saying we just don't, like, let's stop pushing the league to where it's more offensively based because that's one yeah. primary basis on what this is made about is we need to see both offenses first based off of this. So I'm all for the idea of giving the both teams the football back, but I am all for the idea of not changing it so we can actually see defenses play it out and see yeah. how it goes. But it'll be interesting. But, whew, we got it out of the way. We did. So... Uh, make sure that you comment below in the, our Spotify post. You can vote yourself. We'll see the vote. See who wants to change overtime. Who does not? Maybe you can give your reason why as well. Um, and we'll see. We'll see who has the bigger fan base. I'm gonna willing to bet it's Joe. <laughs> but you know what? I'll stand on this hill by myself. And I will gladly be changed if I see some good evidence why it should change. But thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate your view. Don't forget to follow on Spotify. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're on. As well as follow us on social media where? Instagram at the MVSP and Twitter at the MVSP. Absolutely. We'll be posting all of our show updates and more as there's going to be some crazy stuff going on. Also, PSA announcement if you're still here. Red out. He's only three weeks away at Ferris State University, so make sure that you get your red shirts out for that week. Going to be a lot of cool stuff going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Cannot I wait for that weekend. That. It's going to be a blast. But as always, take care, everybody. <laughs>